Hey guys, this is the Out of Focus Podcast with your host, Will Malone. This is part two of the guests of Out of Focus, a look back at season two, aka 2019, in Out of Focus Podcast. This year, I have talked to a lot of filmmakers, and it's really exciting for me as a movie lover to hear about the process of making movies, and frankly, how similar making movies is uh, to a lot of creative processes. Uh, photographers, I feel like, have a lot in common with filmmakers. But the thing that photographers don't necessarily have to have is this collaborative aspect of making a film. And there are just so many moving parts that really is fascinating to me and kind of daunting, honestly. And I admire the people that go through this process because there's still a lot of gatekeepers in the movie industry and there's a lot of things you have to do. And the fact that people would put so many resources behind a short film isn't necessarily uh, like, you know, going to make the money immediately is is a very inspiring thing as somebody who's creative because it's not all about money at the end of the day. It's about getting to do what you love, making these projects happen, and then taking the risk um, and pushing your work forward. So it's it's an incredibly personal thing for, for everyone I've had on this podcast, and I've just really loved getting in depth um, with... Uh, these filmmakers surrounding their short films and it's been very interesting to me and I've just been happy to meet them and um, and you know I, I want to help them in any way I can so uh, in this episode I have clips from a conversation I had with Axel Arzola about a film that he produced called Indocumentata uh, and Axel and I met years ago through Instagram when we lived in Chattanooga and we've kind of kept in touch ever since in fact I hung out with him in uh, Los Angeles a couple months ago and uh, he's just a great guy and has done a lot to help push this podcast forward and refer guests and kind of uh, help me kind of ask questions to filmmakers. And the whole reason I have a bunch of clips from uh, different filmmakers is because of Axel. So shout out to Axel. Um, the next clip is from Andres Lugo, who uh, also is the writer and director of Indocumentada. And he talks about his process of getting to America and um, then making the film and kind of what the film is about. Then the clip after that is with Jared Kurt, who uh, is a location manager, um, and he has quite a portfolio of films he has worked on. He's been in the business for quite a long time, and uh, the clip is uh, where he talks about working on my favorite TV show, Justified, and uh, how they created the locations there. And uh, it was revealed to me uh, in the course of this episode that Justified is not filmed in Kentucky. Um, the TV show with Timothy Oliphant, it is actually completely filmed in Los Angeles, so kind of mind-blowing, so I had to throw this clip in there. Um, it's just very interesting to hear about how locations are done um, and, and put together, and I was lucky enough to kind of see them all in action uh, a couple months ago in Los Angeles, so um, pretty pretty awesome stuff, um, and uh, just uh, thank you for his time. And then I talked to uh, Linda Zolo, who created, uh, wrote and directed the film California, which, uh, is a film about domestic abuse. Um, and it's a very powerful short film. Um, and she was a delight to have on this podcast as well. Uh, then I have clips from my conversation with Sarah and Teresa of Hey Ma Entertainment and their, um, horror thriller Delirium. Um, and so we had a fun conversation there as well. And then I cap off uh, this episode with um, my conversation with Kirsten Livy, an Australian filmmaker based in Sydney, Australia, talking about her short film Inside. And then, you know, in that episode, we talked a lot about the process of writing and coming up with ideas. 
And uh, so, yeah, thanks to all these people for coming on. And um, I just uh, hope you enjoy listening to it. And if you haven't heard these full episodes and you want to hear the full episodes after hearing these clips, the full uh, the full episode links will be in the show notes of this episode. So, um, you know, I'm going to post this uh, on Christmas. So by the time you're hearing this, either it is Christmas or it has already happened. So Merry Christmas, uh, everybody. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in part three of the guests of Out of Focus. He wanted to keep it kind of open and navigate that vagueness. And, and that's something cool about film, you know. Everyone tells you, yeah, you don't have the best things are the ones that you left unsaid. The, the best pieces of film are those that show you things and don't tell you things. And that's, let me tell you, that's easier said than done. It's really tricky to get that mix right because you're always trying to convey story and let people know what happened, but at the same time, you don't want to tell them too much, so it's not boring. So this one was was very well executed on, on his part, and I'm, I'm really happy about it. Now, talking about the immigration uh, subject, that is another subject that is very nuanced and complicated. It's not as easy and black and white as some people want to paint it. Uh, right. For me, with my experience being an immigrant and being a political refugee and all that I I was lucky like I was lucky but at the same time I wasn't like uh, I came from a pretty rough place where I got in trouble for speaking my mind and for not wanting to be part of the communist thing and I was lucky that the U.S. had a, a law in place to help people like me make their way to America and be free and you have no idea how good the u.s is like you have no idea this place is amazing this government is amazing and yeah sure we have problems and there are things that people want to fix but the u.s is far from being like this monster that everyone wants to play it as we are free here to do so many more things than what i could do in my country and i got lucky that i got an opportunity if I had come from a different country and my immigration status was different, would I have come to America? You know, sometimes I ask myself that too. Like, if I was in Mexico and I, I couldn't come legally, would I just jump the border and come illegally? Maybe. When, when, yeah. you, when you have to put that into perspective of what do you have at your hand and the opportunities that you could have in this country, and especially the opportunities for your kids at that point, then it makes for a pretty good case to, yeah, let's risk it. And, and sometimes you're going to do something against the law. But, you know, it, it, the difference in the lifestyle and the opportunities that you have are so much different that sometimes it's like, yeah, I, I would do that too. And yeah. And if you have to live as an immigrant for a week in the U.S., 
that would be extremely hard because when you think about it, you wouldn't have access to just going and open a bank account or get get a loan or get a business going or do this or that. It's really tough for whoever is living illegally. And even so, I would still prefer to have that life than to live in a third world country where you don't have access to so many other things and you don't have the possibility of like build something. At least that was the case for me in Cuba. And I would, yeah, I would rather be an illegal immigrant in the U.S. than to be like a well-established filmmaker in Cuba where you're not even able to buy milk for your baby because there's no milk in the store. So I think that is something that is really hard to make a decision on because I do agree there has to be some kind of regulation but I don't know personally where to draw that line or how to go about that. And I also give a lot of credit to the politicians and the people trying to figure it out because it's not easy. Like if it was easy, it yeah. wouldn't be a problem, you know? And I mean, I don't know what to tell you about that. It's, it's a very complicated issue. I don't have the solution. I definitely don't know how to fix it. So I think with, with our film that we're making and, and with the point of view that we're trying to bring is one where you see both sides of how complicated this is because the U.S. government has a job to do to keep the country safe and to have regulations. Like it can be just like free for all, but also the people coming in trying to live here legally, they're not just criminals trying to do something wrong. They're you right. know people trying to make a better living and I mean that's very close to why this country was created in the first place it was people running away from a bad situation trying to make a better life for themselves so I think that's the big dichotomy that the U.S. is living through today and I don't know how to fix it, but at least with my film, I want to talk about it and, and let people know, hey, it's not black and white. Like, it's more complicated than that. I wanted you to talk a little bit about um, this recent short film that you um, have come out with um, that I talked to Axel a little bit about. Um in documentata or actually you can probably pronounce that better than I can, but, um, <laughs> but, but I, w I would like to, I mean, so what, what's the story behind that? It said it was a true story in the beginning of the short film. So kind of like, where did that come from? And yes. Uh, well, um, yes, well, the name is, you just said it correctly. You okay. Said it okay. Correctly. Great. Uh, <laughs> it's in documentada and, um, well, this film stars, uh, I recently moved, well, not recently, I moved to the United States almost five years and a half. And the process was not like, uh, I could say that it's the common. Why? Because um, when we move or when we live or places, uh, you know, we don't have those documents, you know, those, that, those papers that we need to, to have a voice and and that took me so long and but I, I wasn't realizing what was happening to myself the first six months for example you know me as a, as a mexican i got the the tourist visa 
and I just finished college and I try and I said, why not? You know, why not? I have been, I got the visa of 10 years and haven't used it for four years. So I think it's necessary. I just finished my, my studies and why not to try it? So, and thanks for, for my dad because he pushed me. And, and so I, I moved to the United States and the first days were like very nice. Thanks for my cousins that they helped me and support me to provide me with the, directly with the right guys so he that person offered me some work in uh in a restaurant and uh, cleaning some car batteries and so i was doing these two jobs and but you know you are you are knowing people you are having these conversations with people that are coming from they don't have a visa they had to cross the border um and try to be hiding for the border patrol and all this stuff. And more of my partners were having those experiences. So when they are asking me, hey, what about you? I was like, oh my God, what can I say? In order to respect them, in order to know, get enemies, you know? And, and so I was like, oh, um, I just got this visa tourist. And, the tourist visa just you know and to try and i want and you know it's like to try to not say the truth and, but the same way these days were were hard in terms of making money by myself i'm the only one my cousins were here just the same way as my aunt they were trying and then they went back they moved back to mexico but i'm the guy who stay and because of good opportunity that happened later that i never imagined but so all these experiences uh, were making me, uh, I'm the guy who constantly write ideas, sketches, or as you said, you take pictures and those pictures are like sketches for your projects or ideas, how the light enter into that window of your reflections. And you are like, oh, this tells this, and what if I put this before and what? So I'm always uh, working in that way with my notebooks and, and my books when I read, you know, getting ideas. and. So, but the first, I can say that the first two or two years or three years, I was kind of losing my identity, you know, kind of, uh, I wasn't aware of that. And I, I was feeling like I was the person constantly looking down and okay, yes, I can do that. Oh yes, sir. You know, and, and I was like, I was just asking myself what's happening to me. Uh, I'm somebody. You know, I study and, and why this is happening. And, and, you know, I never, I never said, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to, because I'm, I, I don't like this feeling. No, I never, I never thought about it, but it was a hard and weird feeling because you don't know where you're going. And I was trying to explore, uh, if I can say this word, we as a human beings, we are going sometimes our life as a zombies sometimes we experience those moments that we don't know where we are going and 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 there are external situations that they are putting us in that way in that place so and, and I, I because i wasn't doing anything of my craft you know i was mm -hmm. working as a waiter and cleaning batteries and and um and thanks god and, and fortunately i was i've met a, a friend 
that that friend was a person who helped me recommending me to to talk to somebody in a production company and that per that people that company test me uh in a tv show in television content that i have never done in my life i just learned from from school but my background was cinema or, or you know <laughs> if i thought that i knew about cinema that i, I don't know anything about it but and and i just you know in that moment, I was kind of certain of what I, I was feeling, but it was, I wasn't sure what it, what it was. So when I was tested about it, I was like, Andres, do your best, you know? And because this can put you in another, in the way you want. And, and so, yeah, and and you know, uh, some sometimes as I started in documentary filmmaking, I uh, constantly, you know, when you are trying to talk to these people, to ask the right questions so, or those questions, you know, they trust in you and hey man, let me invite you a coffee. Oh, thank you, and, and you start like getting this conversation, and and and, and I mean, you are surprised. Just what you hear, and, and again, writing down my my things, and oh, this just blow my mind, and and all these testimonies or real testimonies start from that time with many people, and before shooting this film, I talked to some people. I, you know, I, I was looking for people who has been deported, some people. Friends recommend me, and you can talk to these people, and you can talk, you know, because you don't know if they are they were deported. And and the thing is that you are talking to them just because being recommended by phone, they are not seeing your face, you know, how to get that trust. So I tried to get this connection. Uh, sometimes was easy, sometimes was you know, because they don't know you, and um, and it's like my teachers said one once uh is there true you know you cannot judge it is there truth so they can say many things you know sometimes we are mixing our nightmares or dreams or experiences and when you are having this moment to talk you know human brain works in a very weird way and but that's the moment that you can talk and, and so the same thing happened to me uh first this i was developing this story as a feature and and i i was i stopped writing and directing um in 2012 um and i started focusing more in my career as a cinematographer more in my images and camera and um but like six months ago uh something happened to me that literally i was i was in a need to write and so i found a contest i have seen this contest many times in social media and they were like let's try it you know and i started writing trying to put all these ideas in my books and notebooks as a puzzle you know and putting them back together and then uh, this was for a short and for a feature. I had two months and a half, so I preferred to condense it in a short film. I, I wrote 10 pages, I submitted, and then after that, 
I was continuing writing. I was like, hey, Andres, what's happening? You know, <laughs> what's happening? You know, and, and I was like, Andres, don't ask it, just let it flow. So I was looking for contests in, in websites and I found this one that they gave me 22 lines. With these 22 lines, you have to use 10 of them minimum and to make a short film no more than two minutes. Um, only the story without including the credits. So I was like, oh my God, this is really exciting. So with my roommates, I start working with those lines, how they, you know, how they flow. And and, and I start realizing these lines can be, could be in order or disorganized. And okay, so I understood what the lines were, how they were. So I was my, project that I was developing and other things, I was like, okay, let's create a character. What happened? I'm in the process of exploring characters the same that um, they are struggling between good things, doing the right, or trying to do what their system or the system says what is needs to be done or society needs to be done. And sometimes you don't, you don't listen. You know, and um, I'm in the part in the process of, you know, because sometimes it's hard to to understand who you are or to understand where you are going. I think it's the hardest part as a human being we have, and and once you know who you are or trying, uh, that happened to me after all these experiences, three two years. Um, so suddenly I was disconnected and I was like, Andres, what happened? What happened? I didn't feel what I was feeling. And, and so I tried in that times, in those times to, to look for me again. And man, I can tell you, it, it took me again, almost a year and a half. And, and I was very bad, mad with me. Like, why, why you allow that? You know, and, and, you know, this question that you as a human being, you know, suddenly you are asking to yourself. And so that part is for this film and for the part that I'm exploring is to listen your intuition. But sometimes, you know, because it's the only thing that you have, you know, and, and, and you need to respect it. So, but we as a human beings, we are very vulnerable. You know, we are getting changes and, and because we are in love, because you trust and somebody failed you. And, and so um, this is not about politics. This is not about immigration. This film is not about um, any political speech or social or nothing like that. It's more about helping others and how far you can go trying to help somebody, even if you can lose everything. Even if you, you know, it's just that question. And I don't know. I mean, because, you know, sometimes you try and, and you are aware of all the people that have helped you. And, and because of that, I think there's the person you are becoming. And, but again, this is a fiction. And there are things that I experienced when I was in Miami in 2017 at the end, uh, December, November. And 
the place where I was living, um, I saw, you know, ice police and uh, uh, people outside and, and, and you know, and uh, so sometimes, you know, again, you keep those memories or something happened to you, what you saw, and, and you just save them. You never imagine that they are there. And so, yes, um, every character has a background. Every character has a cultural race. Every character means something, every object, everything, the mirrors and everything. So, so yeah, and that was part of this exercise. This By proxy, places that didn't work in person, you know? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I yeah, I noticed you, uh, like, I looked at your IMDb, you've got quite the portfolio, and um, one one show in particular is one of my favorite that I saw was Justified, and uh, <laughs> yes. I was I was curious about that, because that's definitely not in Los Angeles, right? So, like, what was it like finding locations for that? Was it filmed in Kentucky? Okay, none of Justified, except for the title sequences, were filmed in Kentucky, the pilot was shot in Pittsburgh, and gotcha. I was the manager on all six seasons that were shot in Los Angeles for Kentucky, which is very difficult. And believe it or not, it's funny that you bring up Justified because it was since Justified that I'm kind of like the sci-fi period action guy. So Justified, listen, as a location manager, I'm known to be really good at faking one place for another. I'm also good at period, which could be the past or the future, because I consider sci-fi, oh, it's like doing period, it's just futuristic. And then action, um, I just had a lot of practice, and what I mean by action is permitting, flipping a car, throwing a person off a building, machine guns, helicopters. But anyway, back to Justified. I kind of got my foothold and my reputation in what I do a lot from that show. And the reason why is nobody could believe we shot it in L.A., never mind not Kentucky. Yes, seriously. And, and when we went to approach the show, I said, guys, we're shooting in Los Angeles. Every season's going to be from September to March. So we're going to be in the winter and, you know... Things are going to be dry at the beginning of the season and green, I mean, not green. And as we go through the season, that the foliage will get greener. So the big question is, where do we film this? Because L.A. is a desert. And it just so happens that about a half hour north of Los Angeles is a town called Santa Clarita. And it's kind of a suburb. And Santa Clarita has... A water t uh, has a town another 20 miles away from it called Green Valley. And the reason why it's called Green Valley is because there's an underground water system and that particular little valley stays green all year round. So uh, Green Valley was a great place. And uh, it's an obscure area that most people in Los Angeles don't film in because, you know, it's... 30 minutes from the city and then it's another 20 minutes and you're outside the zone. When I say the zone is like TMZ is the 30 mile zone from 
the center of Los Angeles. Anything outside of that, you have to pay people more because you've traveled past the boundary. And so you're going to have to pay them a little extra for their travel time and their, their gas. And you're going to have less time filming because there's only a 12, you know, 12, 14 hours that you're allowed to film. And you don't want to eat it all up in transportation. But Green Valley worked on so many levels for our show that we took the hit and it became part of our routine. So, yeah, uh, Green Valley was, uh, you know, a godsend and kind of gave me an opportunity to open a lot of other doors after that. From so, Justin. yeah, you... From Justin. Yeah, see... Yeah, that's that's super impressive because you know I honestly did not know that, and that's uh, I'm I'm st- I'm a little dumbfounded that that is in L.A. It almost it, it yeah it, it blows you my mind. You can tell so, because of the oak trees, you know the uh, the oak trees. Like I can tell right away. Like if I'm thinking is this in L.A. or not, if I don't recognize the location, I just look at all the fo- foliage because I I like I worked with a production designer named Janine Opwell. And she designed movies like Catch Me If You Can, L.A. Confidential, Pleasantville. And so I, uh, I got to brush up on my architecture. And the reason why I bring her up is she's actually an entomologist and a botanist on the side. So, you know, on top of knowing all, every piece of architecture and where it came from and who, you know, it's known for, she also could tell you about all the plants around anywhere so uh that's how i learned that the oak trees are definitely the calling card that you're in la if you ever want to know if you're watching a show and you know the oak trees in california are totally different than the east coast oaks so you know that's just a little tidbit that you can tell justified is not in kentucky because there are california oaks everywhere (laughs) well yeah that's uh i mean you know, I, I live in the southeast, so it's you know it it fooled me. Um, but no, uh, a lot of people who are lived in Kentucky would write us and say, "Where are you filming the show?" <laughs> and so, but you you don't just act, right? Like I I just watched this short film you were doing, which you know we can we can talk talk more about, but. Uh, I saw that you wrote and directed that short film. So yeah, <laughs> tell, tell me about, tell me about how, how at, well, number one, how you act and direct and write at the same time. That always blows my mind when I see like main characters of TV shows, like acting and directing. So like, t- just tell me about just all of that. How did that work? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm blushing right now. Cause yeah, that's, thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> so the way that film came about was as an actor, you need an actor reel. And I had done a number of student films and things and some indies, but my footage wasn't coming to me. So I'm like, I, I need to create something. And as I mentioned before, I'm constantly like having stories in my mind. Like I can see a film from beginning to end. And um that was a scene that I had wrote and it was, it was like you were stepping into it. So originally the scene where she's on the porch with her son, I had um, visualized something a little bit different so I can encapsulate it quicker. Um, 
And then I started writing this and I, and I did it old school. I was like pen and paper writing <laughs> and, um, and it just grew. It just kept growing. And I, I'm like, I can't stop. So I just, I just, I wrote it. And when it was done, I had it, you know, did copyright on it. And I'm like, okay, well now we got to shoot this thing. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, that was a process finding, um, a director. I, and I had someone who actually helped me rewrite and the, the film went through a number of the script went through about four rewrites. Um, Chicken Green originally was going to direct it for me, um, but our schedules were colliding. And the week that we were supposed to start, I, I had I had to push pause. I'm like, I can't do it. I'm not ready. And not meaning me, meaning the story wasn't ready because locations and everything else. I, I wanted it. I wasn't just gonna okay, let's go and throw it together. Um, I wanted it to feel right. So then I went through a couple other directors and just, it just kept going and going. And finally, my producer, Kristen Azur said, Azur, sorry. Um, she was like, you know, Linda, you know this thing inside and out. Why, why don't you just direct it? And I said, because you're not supposed to direct it if you're in it. And she's like, who says that? I'm like, everybody says that. And she's like, okay, so Clint Eastwood. Um, and she starts naming all these people. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not them. <laughs> so it's just like, trust me, you can do this. So I set out to find my team and um, she had put a post and people started sending their reel and stuff. And that's how I met Axel. Um, I love Axel Arzola. He is, he, he's the, re he's an executive producer for a reason. I mean, this man, this guy, um, he really got the story, which was important to me. When we sat down and talked about it, he was reading it and he's like, I don't understand this part. And I said, well, there was this originally, but I took it out. Why'd you take it out? Well, because they said, who's they? No, that needs to be in the story. And I just, I was just hugging them. I was like, you get it, you get the story. All that stuff that's supposed to be there gets to come back. So, so yeah, so I, I, I surrounded myself with a team of, professionals and i say that because they were a lot of them were fresh out of school but i know they their passion and their their professionalism was there and i know i'm getting long-winded but the last day of set um it was mind-blowing I, I mean frank bragging was one of our key pas and he said congratulations on your baby and we were at one of the last scenes at Dollar Days in Villarica and she, everyone turned and looked at me and they were like, this was your first production? Yeah, I, I mean, just embarrassed. And they're like, they were blown away. They thought I had been doing this like a long time. <laughs> and I was just like, nice. that was the best compliment I think I could ever got. I mean, and everyone just loved being on set. The energy was amazing. And it, it, it wasn't me, it was everybody. So, so, so why, why this story in particular? Cause I, when I watched it, I, it was, it was kind of going one way and then it just like took a turn that was like pretty shocking. Like I was like, I was like, Whoa, all right, we're going there, you know? And, uh, and I was, I, I really, I really like, I, I enjoy things that like kind of take me down this path and then like just go somewhere into a different path that you just don't, I mean, that's kind of the joy of watching movies. And so, uh, like, like, how did you get there? Um, are we talking the ending or the climatic part? 
Well, I just mean like just the the whole story, you know, from story. beginning well, to end. Like, yeah. like how how did the, how does the story like how did you get to this story? So there is some personal experience in the film in the story. Um, I am a uh, victim of domestic violence and a survivor. Thank God. Thank you, Lord. Um, thank you, universe. Um, yeah, so uh, now I'm gonna get emotional. Um, whew, sorry. Um, so yeah, that that happened to me. And when I wrote this scene that grew into the film, it wasn't me. It was Connie, which that's what I wanted to like, you know, separate the two. But I I knew her pain, and um, I don't have children. But I know that if I did. And that was a blessing that I didn't have children with him. Um, what I would do to protect my son. And so what was happening or my child, what was happening, she she knew that he was getting old enough to be aware. And it was like she had to make a choice. Um, and so that that feeling there was like real like what would you do if that was happening to you even if you didn't have children like how would you handle this and there's so many and i don't want to just say women because there's also men that are abused because you know you have um different types of relationships you could have male male relationships and female female you know, some there's abusers in all kinds of relationships and um to be able to find the strength to leave it because a lot of times you think it's over because it hasn't happened right. and then it happens again. So, so yeah, so there's the element of that in there. And then I didn't want it to be that she's a victim, that everything's happening yeah. to her. I, I wanted her to have the strength because that's what I want survivors or people that are in that situation to have. I want them to have the strength to take care of themselves. So. What so you said you like to hang out in like the comedy kind of space, but you're working on a psychological thriller. So what's the what's the connection between? No between idea. No, no idea. Yeah. I did. It was an idea, and I thought, wow, that sounds like a pretty sick idea, and um, just you know, I don't know. And I just, and so originally, like I had said before, originally I, I wrote it as a monologue for Halloween, just to give some content for my daughter to post on her Instagram page where she could do a monologue that was a little bit creepy, but I liked it too much to make it just a monologue. So that's how I ended up doing that psychological thriller. Um, and I don't know, my mind is always what's all over the place. <laughs> what's funny is that when we when we first started it, to be quite honest, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't wrap my brain around just the, by reading the script. I was like having a really tough time wrapping my brain around the, the synopsis, so to speak, or the concept. And I'm like, oh, I just, but I knew once I saw it and, and we were physically and tangibly on set and seeing it happen um, and at the table read, I think is when it finally mm -hmm. all just kind of clicked all the characters and everything clicked for me. And when we, um, started talking about, well, what, what now, what are we going to do? And at first we were like, Ooh, this would make such a good series. Um, but because the concept is so rich 
um, and the character arcs are so big. Um, it was like, well, maybe a feature film. And so um, I was like, well, I'll, I'll give a try writing off of off of what the short story was mm-hmm. and see what happens. And now um, it's like I'm so deeply in love with it. <laughs> There's a problem there. But anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and and I know Sarah is hilarious. I mean, absolutely hilarious. And so when it comes to the the comedy, it's like we now there's that equal balance because I'm like, oh, I don't know about a con like how would we start writing this comedy? And she's like, oh, trust me, I got this. Um, I'm just laughing thinking about it. <laughs> um, and so it's it's funny how we've kind of all found and and Tanetta's a literacy coach and and um, editor and stuff. So obviously that that greatly um, helps. <laughs> yeah. when, when writing so uh yeah and and yeah i guess you don't have to answer this i guess necessarily but like i i'm curious just for anybody who's listening who has you know kind of like you guys has in mind a project like how do you go about like funding a, a short film like this like how do you how do you you said you bootstrapped a lot of like getting the jobs done but like how do you go about even like starting to pull that together um, so what we did were, was we, um, like Teresa had said a little bit ago, is that we negotiated a lot of stuff and okay. we got a lot of people to comp things and give big discounts. And we set the budget for ourselves to pull out of pocket for all the extra that we needed just to be able to get, like any business, you have to put money into it to get right. anything out of just it. So that's it just how we looked yeah. at it. We're not always looking to get a free handout, but, you know, the stuff can get expensive. So if you can drive a good bargain with somebody, then. <laughs> well, and yeah, and it's, it's worth it for a lot of people, I feel mm-hmm. like, who are on set because it's it's portfolio it stuff for them as well. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that is exactly the approach we took, you know, because it wasn't like, oh, we need to go out and find a whole bunch of people that'll do it for free at all. Yeah. Like that conversation was never had. It was like, you know, let's kind of, you know, we don't even know what goes into this. So let's just start having conversations with people that have done it and see if they believe in what we've got and are willing to do it because it'll boost their portfolio. We're just trying to start one um, and see what happens. And like, I mean, again, not, I mean, it does sound very cliche and cheesy again, but it was like, it was meant to be. Um, We've had very, very, very little upset. I mean, very little. Um, And to be expected, the things that, the things that we knock on wood. Yeah. Knock on wood. Um, but, but, and, and some of the things that we've dealt with that have been disappointing or what you almost expect, um, because, you know, not everybody has the same personalities. Not everybody, you know, can visualize a, an artist's idea until, you know, maybe never, but if it, you know, that when they were willing to do it anyways, and they were, you know, it's like, everything worked out exactly the way it was supposed to. Well, yeah. and you guys too, you guys have whole other jobs and being moms, right? So like you guys also have to like arrange your time wisely to pull off something like this, I'd imagine. Yes. Yes, we do. Um, I actually have a real estate company. Um, it's just me and I have one other person that works part-time on my team because I don't want a huge team. But I basically put it... Um, 
said it. I mean, I was still working with clients, but I wasn't pursuing any new clients because we were putting so much time into this and then um, trying to, you know, still be there for my kids. And I have another daughter that I can't neglect. So (laughs) (laughs) trying to make it to all her stuff. And she's just went to high schools on the volleyball team. So, you know, it's a big deal to her. So I was trying to balance everything. Do do you ever have, and this is a question, just, I guess, person who makes stuff to people who make stuff like, uh, do you ever have that like guilt where you're working on this, this short film and you're, you're making it, you feel like you have to make it like it's something you just need to be doing, but like you wonder, you know, if that's the right thing, like, do you ever have that guilt when you're working on it of like, I should be somewhere else, you know, working on something, I guess, more financially viable or not? No. No. Okay. Well, no, I didn't feel that way because I felt like I had to do it. Like I did yeah, it. Yeah. There was nothing that was stopping me after I got into it because one of my things personally is that once I say I'm going to do something, I have to follow through and I have to finish it. Um, of course, there's things in this life that we do and, and we don't, you know, finish, but it's if we're not passionate about it, how can you, you know? Right. No, for sure. Yeah. So, I just always right. wonder, cause it's like, you know, you hear, you get, there's just a lot of noise and you, you know, there's, and I don't know how mm-hmm. much you guys stay in touch with, you know, or, or hang out on the internet or do all that kind of stuff. But there's so many people that are like, this is the way you should do things. And, oh my God. You know, oh, please. Yeah. I just ignore everyone. I do everything the yeah. way I had somebody tell me, uh, last year, you, shouldn't even don't even waste your time doing that because you don't have a distributor you don't have you know this you don't have that and I go oh okay so I just put it in my backpack and did it anyways because there and I actually just shared something recently like there there's nobody in this world no matter their position that is what Trace always says above you or below you so I personally think that everybody has something positive and good to contribute to somebody else. And whether they want to do that or not is their decision. But I do feel ultimately everybody is equal. So nobody's going to tell me I can't do anything. And I I think those are the people to be honest with you. And those are the conversations that propelled us. Yeah. Um, It pushes me harder. Yeah. It pushes us harder. And I mean, I, I posted it the other day too, but you know, even from Years ago, when I ran call centers and stuff like that, I would tell my employees, if you say you can't, I hear you. You know what I mean? So don't say that and just do it and I'll see. You know what I mean? And if, if you don't, then just quit. But don't don't say you can't because I hear you, <laughs> you know? And so at no point do we listen to people that say you can't or you shouldn't or don't or whatever. If anything, it's like, okay. I don't need to say anything. I'm just going to do it and they'll see it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of, um, I know I've seen that you're working on a particular short film right now. Do you want to like talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, So it's called Inside. Um, It's meant to be sort of a metaphor for being stuck inside an actual physical place so in this film uh, a 40 year old writer is a novelist is uh, kind of stuck inside a cabin trying to finish her first novel and uh, she's she's sort of trapped in the house trying to make it happen by her mother Um, but it's also kind of a metaphor for you know being trapped in your mind 
and not being able to um, finish things, complete things. Um, yeah, so it's, I wouldn't say it's autobiographical at all, but it's sort of it semi-autobiographical in a sense, um, even though it is a psychological thriller. Um, yeah, so we're shooting it in the Blue Mountains in um, Australia, which is kind of a couple of hours outside of the city. Um, I wanted it to kind of be a generic sort of woodsy kind of setting, but the Australian scenery didn't, isn't quite the generic woodsy. It's quite obvious with their gum trees and the eucalyptus and things like that. But um, <laughs> we're going to try and do our best anyway um, with the property that we have. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's sort of inspired by some of my own experiences, not completely. Um I had a had a mother who was very loving, um, but also um, kind of wanted the best for me and to the point of sometimes it felt a bit too much and it felt a bit suffocating. Um, and I think, you know, I'm an only child, so, you know, I was all she, all she had and she put all her energy and all her, um, her thoughts and care <laughs> into me. Um, so when I was writing this script, it was, you know, was, you know, thinking back to a lot of that and thinking how I felt whenever I was attempting to do things like back at school or if I was working on a dance um, recital and I needed to practice, you know, she was the one that was there like, no, you can do better, do it again, do it again. Um, so, you know, there was part of me that wanted to 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 do it for just the the purpose of getting myself better at it, but at the same time wanting to please her. And then, so it's the kind of like the fine line between wanting to please and, you know, for pleasure. Um, so that's kind of the springboard for the story and the idea. Um, this kind of came out, out of one of those brain dumps. And uh, I wrote it, I wrote the idea for it um, probably very quickly. I wrote it... Um, probably in the space of about 10 minutes just the idea oh wow and then it took me a, yeah i know it was actually after a phone call with my dad um because my mom passed um away 20 years ago and um it was it was after a phone call with my dad and trying to i don't know just get some memories of of my mom and you know talking about her and after i hung up the phone i actually felt kind of angry i was like i never got to sort of finish the story with her and I never got to sort of you know tell her I guess you know how that felt or um anything and then I just I sat on my balcony and I just wrote just the idea down it took me yeah, 10 minutes and I was like this is gonna happen this is gonna happen this is gonna happen um yeah and then it took probably another uh say three weeks three to four weeks for me to actually write the script um I think because once it's there it's there and you can sort of see it, visualize it. And I'm a very visual person when I write. So everything I like to create, um, like a visual, um, a visual sense through my writing. Um, yeah. So it's pretty, pretty intense. Um, you know, it obviously it's a thriller. So there's going to be some sort of like twist or turning point in, in the story, which I'm not going to reveal. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it was kind of a bit of a 
uh, a purging of some sorts, I suppose you would say. Um, but yeah, it, it's hopefully going to be good. I think it will be good. So are you are you yeah. going to act in it as well? No. Um, so I'm not acting in this one. I think I put my acting hat up for a while. Um, <laughs> um, I've got a couple of great actors who one of them I've actually known for quite a few years now. Um, and she's sort of been treading the boards um, on the stage on and off for a number of years in Sydney, um, various theatres. And she's also a writer and she um, has made a short film in the past. And, you know, so she's just an all-round creative. And I just, when I was writing it, I kind of had this idea of this person in my mind. And I was like, yes, it's her. And then I went to see her in a play and then I asked her, you know, would she do it? And she was like, yes, yes, I'll do it. Absolutely. Um, And she happens to own the house that we're shooting in. So that was kind of serendipitous. Um, And then the other cast, only two characters. So it's um, Jane, the writer, and her mother. Um, And the the mother is actually the lady we cast. I cast, I had an idea of a different actor in mind and then when I went to see um Paulina Paulina Kelly so Jane um she was acting opposite this woman Norma um and they had this amazing chemistry on stage together as mother and daughter and I was like there's my cast there it is and I just it's almost like it was just meant to be um yeah so we um we had a little actor director actor discussion couple of weeks ago um at the property and we talked through um you know the intentions of both the characters and uh we laid out sort of you know uh some of the scenes and where we're going to shoot and stuff like that and they're really excited um they even got into conversation when i was there with them they got into conversation together in character asking each other things (laughs) yeah it was just like i'll just sit back and just let you guys do it because you know this is awesome so they're very professional um yeah, they're going to be lots of fun. Yeah. Well, that sounds exciting. Is um are you guys uh filming it soon or is 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 this Yeah, so we're shooting um we're filming next Saturday. So Saturday the 10th. Um and Sunday. So we're shooting it over a weekend. It's going to be a long shoot because we need early morning and we need night. Ah. Um yeah. Um but you know because our crew are from you know, they do have like their day jobs that, you know, it's just what you have to do to get it done. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we've got some really awesome crew on board. They're going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Working with light, uh, is, um, is, is fun. (laughs) And by fun, I mean exhausting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's like, we need to make sure we're up at that time of morning to get that bit of that perfect timing of the light. So, yeah, I'm sure you're very familiar with that, um, with your photography. Yeah, yes. I well, I know this. Um, I know this photographer. I'm I'm friends with him, and he's he's like very much landscape outdoors photographer. And he, you know, for him, yeah. it's 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 really important for him because, you know, things just look different. So he he will like start a hike at like midnight, so that he can mm. get you know 14 miles yeah. by sunrise. You know. <laughs> Yeah, like the things you do, the things you do for your art. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. And he just does it for like one photo, which I I don't have the patience necessarily for that. I'm kind of, I I can't, I can't hike 14 (laughs) miles for one photo. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, that's it's probably also why like I won't direct everything that I write. Like I probably much prefer to actually go. Okay, I've written the thing. Somebody else do it because I like it's so there's so much involved. There's you know there's so many factors and things you have to you know count for. I'd just rather sort of see it happen. Somebody take it, do their ma- work their magic with it. Um, you know. So are you? But no, it's going to be good. It's going to be yeah, good. Yeah. Are you? Uh, so I mean, do you do uh, much like behind the camera stuff? Like, is that um, an interest for you as well? Um. I yeah. I do like some. I'm probably not very good like technically, so I'm not greatest with like knowing the camera settings and the lens type. And I just kind of give my um you know my mood boards and that to the dop and i sort of say you know like this i need with this kind of feel or this kind of tone you know color tone what can you do to create it and make it like that um uh the producing side of things i'm probably because i'm quite an organized person i'm probably quite good at that aspect but i don't necessarily always enjoy that because i feel it gets stuck into like heavy like administration and just ticking boxes and it's not as creative um but yeah, I, I I kind of like a lot of the processes of filming, filmmaking. You know, it's just all of it's well, it's just part of it. Of it's, it's part of the story. Yeah, it's part of the it. The storytelling yeah. process. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think a lot of the time, especially for filmmaking, like um, you know, it sure you know Roger Deakins can make a shot look beautiful, but it you know. A beautiful shot's only as good as the like the story it's helping to tell. So yeah. it's like yeah, you know being it. technical, technically skilled with the camera. I think is not as important as being technically skilled at telling a story. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> 